Whether it's comedy, action-adventure, drama, horror, and everything else in between, all movies at least have one thing in common. They all share a message with you. This is Movie Night Apologetics, where I, movie apologist Clark, review and examine movies and their messages from a Christian perspective. Well, what is up, movie lover family? Welcome back to the Movie Night Apologetics podcast. Man, we got an exciting show for you today. And I should say this is that probably most of the movie lovers that are on this channel or on this podcast probably are not going to listen to this one, seeing how it is that you saw a title called Saw 10. And we're going to talk about Saw 10 today. And you may you know, be totally ecstatic. Like, man, how's he going to take out a Christian worldview from a Saw movie? And others who aren't listening, well, they're probably thinking I'm a heathen for watching such a movie. So, but the question is, can you actually learn from a Saw movie, the Christian worldview? And the answer to that is an emphatical, yes, you can. And I'm excited to talk about it today because I'm going to be going over, should people take vengeance out on their own hands if they've been wronged by somebody or seen somebody do wrong to someone else. And I'm also going to talk about what John Kramer would have done if he were a Christian, which I think that's going to be a fascinating, just a little bit of a, I don't know, just it's going to be fascinating to see what he would have done in one scenario of the movie that I thought of. So stick around for that. But first, I'm going to give you the description of the movie because I recognize that most people who listen to this podcast, most of the time they're going to watch the movie. But for some of you, you may still want to listen to the movie, but or you still want to listen to the podcast, but maybe for this episode, you don't want to watch the movie. So I, I'm going to try to uh, use the podcast description, not the podcast description. I can't think today, guys. I'm going to briefly go over the movie description, read you that. So that way you kind of have an understanding of what the movie is about. And so that way you're not totally lost because I do really recommend that you just listen to these. I mean, obviously it's uh, you know my podcast, but I also really do recommend that you watch the movie. So that way you can understand the greater context of the movie. But I understand it's Saw 10. Hey, you know what? It is October and I'm going to do some horror movies. Uh, the next one I believe is I'm going to do The Descent, which is Awesome. My friend and Blaine recommended it to me and I'm going to be doing that one next more than likely. But anyways, let's get back to this. So let's go to the description and read the description for you for those of you who have not watched the movie. And then I'll kind of share you a little bit of my review of it and then go into the greater um, talk about it. So hoping For a miraculous cure, John Kramer travels to Mexico for a risky and experimental medical procedure. Sorry, I can't read. Only to discover the entire operation is a scam to defraud the most vulnerable, armed with a new profound purpose, the infamous... Serial killer uses deranged and indigenous traps to turn the tables on the con artist. I gotta say, before coming into this movie, I actually did not know what the plot is. All I knew about the movie was that it was between 
Saw 1, the first Saw, and Saw 2. So it was like a Saw one and a half kind of a movie, but yeah, it's the 10th Saw. So I really enjoyed the plot. For one, I really loved most, the, the start of it actually was very slow pacing. You got to learn and see like his character and him because I think some of the other ones you don't really get to learn that. It's just, you see a bunch of people in a room and then he's just pissed off that they did something bad. And so now he's going to have them atone for their sins. And so you actually never get to know John Kramer really himself and what he struggles with. You just see him as a guy you know, putting people in these torture traps and playing this game and you don't really ever get to see his face. So I really appreciated that. It was slow pacing. You got to know and understand his character more. And you got to know a little bit more about the backstory between what happened, what happened in Saw 1 and Saw 2. Now, some of the dislikes that I had towards the movie is the obvious, you know, I'm not going to say that I love, you know, someone sawing off their li- their leg or someone taking some tweezers and picking their brain to put in a glass jar. I'm not going to sit here and say I really enjoyed watching that. I don't think anyone really does. Uh, so I, you know, I mean, those scenes were cringeworthy. I'm not going to lie. I, I cringed at him. I definitely cringed at the eyeball scene where the guy was getting his eyeballs sucked out. Um, yeah, so that, I mean, again, I, I go with my friend Blaine and we just have a good time watching them, but this isn't a movie that I watch, you know, on a regular basis or anything. I'll probably watch one Saw movie, a couple horror movies a few times a year, so it's not my favorite genre, but I do watch them from time to time with my buddy Blaine. Um, one of the th- aspects that I didn't like is some of the people that were playing the game really should have won because they were just, I mean, they were just there. They just fell short by a second, and I felt like that was a little bit dishonest. They did everything that they could. The guy with the, you know, had to take the tweezers with the brain and do that, or the woman cutting off her leg and then uh, putting the tube to get the uh, the bone marrow out. Like honestly, they should have lived, but they didn't, and they died. And so I was a little bit disappointed with that. You know, at least you know make it to where they didn't. I mean, I, I get it. It's a movie. You're supposed to make it suspenseful. It's not suspenseful if someone just gets killed and there's no struggle. So, yeah, I mean, you can give or take on that one. Uh, the main aspect of the movie that I really didn't like was, you know, at the start of it, you have John Kramer. I mean, he's a guy that he wants to take revenge on people who do wrong to other people. And, you know, as Christians, as image bearers of God, like there's something in us that do not like to see wrong either done to us or done to other people because you know that, you know, image bear, if you didn't know, image bear means that um, we reflect God's character and his nature. So if he is, so say if God is angry at sin, you know, it, and we become angry at sin, well, we're just reflecting you know, his nature, because obviously, I mean, because you're not going to see like, you know, if an ant beats up another ant or something, you're not going to see like 
the ant like think and plot or revenge and vengeance or not. I mean, the ant's not an, an image bearer of God, but we are. So I hope that kind of makes sense. But I didn't really like the aspect at the end of there where, you know, you're kind of rooting for the sort of con artists, fake doctor, bad guys. And then all of a sudden it flips and now you're kind of rooting for the guys that have been torturing the fake doctors and whatnot all along. You know, it's just one of those things where, you know, the, the lines are blurred. And I get that as humans, beings were very complicated we're very nuanced um you know all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of god all of us but at a certain point i mean it's like is there any sort of you know is there any sort of integrity in in you know some of the main like good characters and evil and some of the other bad characters. I don't know. I mean, it's just a complaint. And the other, and here's the practical complaint I have about the movie. I didn't even write this down on the notes, but I was just thinking through it today. Is that John Kramer is like what 70, 80 something years old, and he is a cancer patient. He has cancer, and yet he has. So, I mean, he has all this energy. To, you know, for him and his assistant to trap these four people or whatever and make these elaborate traps to play this game. He has all this energy to do, (laughs) to do this. Like, I've been around cancer patients. I've been around people who have had bone cancer, other sort of cancer. And I gotta tell you, uh, they can barely like go to church. I mean, I and yet this guy's doing all this and finding them and all that like get out of here. Like that's so unrealistic, but anyways, I just thought that was uh one of those rants that I needed to go on because that was just totally unrealistic. I mean, I get why he had the assistant cuz he couldn't do everything and she did like half the work, but still even all of that what he did well, I I mean, he, there's no way he could have done that with cancer. I'm sorry, he can't no way, no how, not at that age and not at that cancer level with a few months to live. Sorry, it's not going to happen. Anyways, now, would I recommend this movie to, say, someone who, like myself, who enjoys horror movies on occasion? Absolutely. I think I rate this movie a 9 out of 10, to be honest with you, because I I did like the plot. Overall, I liked the plot, and I really just enjoyed some of the twist in it um and you know to rate it out of the entire franchise because there's 10 of them or there's either 10 or 11 because i think there's one that wasn't really a saw movie but it was and it was with chris rock and i tried to watch it and it i i couldn't do it because chris rock was just spazzing out the whole time and he was just throwing F-bombs after F-bombs, every other word. And I'm like, I can't do this. I stopped within 10 minutes of it. And so I don't know if that one counts towards the 10 saws, but out of all the Saw movies, I would rank this one probably, let's see, I would probably rank this one in third. And I'd probably do Jigsaw second, which that had a fabulous twist in it, one that I didn't even see coming, nor my friend... Blaine, who is a horror movie kind of expert, so to speak. And then the first 
obvious one that is the best is the original saw. So now that's all I have to say about that. And before we get into some of uh, our conversation today, wow, time's flying by fast, 11 minutes already. Um, I just kind of want to share with you um, to go and please rate my podcast because, you know, people can learn uh, from this a lot, I believe. They can learn the Christian worldview through movies, you know, as long as you're, you know, you're using the, you know, the Bible to point that worldview, but people can learn. And the only way that they can find this podcast is if um, it's rated more. The more it's rated, the more people will be able to notice it. So if you could please just go rate it. And also that I do have a Discord, and I would love your movie suggestions. I would love to talk movies with you. Um, it's Movie Night Apologetics Podcast. You can go on Discord, and you can message me on there, and I would love to chat, get a movie recommendation from you. And whatever movie recommendation you recommend, I will uh, I will give you a shout-out on the show. So there's a double win for you. So please rate me five stars, go on my Discord, Movie Night Apologetics Podcast, and hit me up, and we'll talk movies. So now let's get into the main theme of the movie, which I do believe is the crux of the whole whole thing is that you have John Kramer wanting vengeance on these fake doctors who were ripping him off and making him believe he was healed from his cancer. And so again, he tracks him down, which is, you know, beyond me. And he captures him with the help of his assistants. And then he puts four of them in this game and they have to fight for their lives. And the question that I want to ask is, is this a righteous thing to do? You know, because what these fake doctors did was very wrong. They, they stole from people who are trying to get better. They steal, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars from each people. And so was this a righteous thing for John Kramer to do? And from a biblical worldview, the answer is no. And now this, I mean, I, I will share scripture because this isn't, you know, movie apologist Clark talking. This is what the Bible has to say about taking vengeance in your own hands. So scripture calls all believers to do something radical that looks different than what the world thinks. And that, and that is we are to love and we are to pray for our enemies. And where I get this in the scripture is in Romans 12, 17 through 21 here. We have Paul. He is talking to the church in Rome. And he's going over this big thesis of how we are justified by faith. And then for the first like 1 through 11 chapters, and then in chapter 12, it gets into practically. Now, after we've been made right with God through the, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ by placing our faith in him, now what happens for to us as believers like what is our call what do we do in this life and one of them is in romans 12 17 through 21 do not repay anyone evil for evil be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone if it is possible as far as it depends on you live at peace with everyone do not take revenge my dear friends Again, see, I mean, John Kramer needed to hear this verse. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, 
but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. Now, the Bible always calls us to not do something. At the same time, it always calls us to do something. And so now Paul's going to say, hey, here's what you do. We just said, here's what you don't do. Here's what you do. And this is what we do. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Now, I just want to make a quick clarification that this doesn't mean we should let people get away with evil, right? I mean, if someone murders, we don't go, hey, you know, I mean, yeah, let God have vengeance on that, you know, soul. I mean, we, we again, we have to read this scripture and the context that it is written in and the preceding, the next Bible verses are Romans 13, which talks about God appointing governing authorities to enact justice for the people that evil, for the evil that people do. And so what Paul's not saying is, yep, just, you know, just let what happens happen. Someone comes break in your house and beats the crap out of you and steals your stuff. Um, just, you know, feed them. Give them something. I mean, I mean, you know, call the authorities. That's what they're there for. God appointed those authorities to enact justice on people who do evil. So, anyways, just to clarify that. So, what I think would have been helpful for John Kramer to do if he were a Christian. Okay, if John Kramer was a Christian, like let's just throw this theory out there, right? So you remember at the beginning, this kid was stealing, and he was stealing stuff from this guy that was uh, a cancer patient patient treatment. He was like in a coma or sleeping or something, and he was stealing this guy's wallet and uh, wallet and watch. And John Kramer notices it, and the guy noticed that he noticed, and the uh, the kid decided not to, but. Before he decided not to, we saw a vision from John Kramer that we didn't know was a vision, but of this young man who's stealing in a trap and he had, you know, three minutes to, you know, get, you know, break his fingers or else his eyeballs would get sucked out of his body and he would probably die. I think, I mean, I don't know if, would you die if you lost both your eyeballs like that? I don't know. What would he have done if he were a Christian? I mean, if John Kramer was a Christian, he saw this young man stealing from this person in a cancer treatment in a hospital. What should his response be? Well, obviously, his response shouldn't be thinking about a torture trap to try to, like, hurt this guy, right? I mean, that's not what we're called to as Christians. What we're called to is say, oh, wow, that guy's stealing. There needs to be justice for sure because like that's wrong. Like the guy that's working at the hospital stealing from patients, that's wrong. Um, I'm going to pray for this young man just, you know, on my own, in my thoughts, whatnot. And I'm going to go to the supervisor of the hospital, tell them what I saw 
and let them decide what to do with him. Whether that be under probation or they fire him or they get the police involved somehow. I don't know. Like, you know, it's what John Kramer should have done in, in that instance. And so we as Christians um, are called to love our enemies. We're called to pray for those who do wrong to us. And that's what Kramer should have done when he found out the doc out the doctors just stole <laughs> just stole his money and didn't cure his cancer rather than taking vengeance on them because honestly it would have been probably a lot easier just to say well I got uh, screwed there and they took advantage of me and well I like I don't know what else to do and you may be wondering at this point because if you're a non-believer you're like man this is too this is really radical like i mean i get not you know making a trap and trying to torture them or anything but i mean come on there has to be you got to do something you got to like i don't know threaten them or something i i don't know i don't know what you think and you may be thinking well what's the reason and the reason we are called, we love our enemies, we lay down our lives for the people who hate us and do wrong to us is because that is exactly what Jesus did for us. It says also in Romans 8 and 5, 8, but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, okay, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still enemies of God, while we were still children of his wrath, while we were still hostile to God, Christ sacrificed himself for us on the cross. So as born again believers in Jesus, we are called to love our enemies. And I get most of us aren't going to take vengeance out on people who do wrong to them in the way that John Kramer did in this movie. But still, God calls us to not be angry and take revenge for ourselves in whatever form that is. Rather, he says to not let the sun go down on our anger. He says, you know, to put away our anger. Like the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Like our anger doesn't produce anything. It just, honestly, it makes us more bitter and more hateful and just more prideful because, you know, like if I'm angry at somebody about something they did wrong to me, I feel very proud because I feel like I'm in the right, they're in the wrong, and you know, I I become a little bit self-righteous in that. So, you know, a good book that I want to recommend for people who struggle with anger, actually, um, because I'm not, listen, I'm an apologist, I, or, you know, whatever apologist I am, a movie night apologist, um, you know, I don't have all the answers to things, as some of you may know. I read a lot. I study. I meditate. I, I, you know, I go through scripture. I pray. But I don't have all the wisdom in the world. And I love recommending books to people because I think there's so much value in books that we um, that we can learn from. And so, a great book that I love to recommend to people who. Um, have anger issues is a book called Unoffendable by Brant Hansen. And I want to read you the description of this 
because I think it's just, it, it's so good and it, it pertains to what we're talking about here in Saw 10. It turns out giving up your right to be offended can be one of the most freeing, healthy, simplifying, <laughs> relaxing, refreshing, stress relieving, encouraging things you can do. It's a radical, provocative idea. We're not entitled to get offended or stay angry. The idea of our own righteous anger is a myth. It is the number one problem in our societies today. And as Dallas Willard says, Christians have not been taught out of it. But what if Christians were the most unoffendable people on the planet? In Unoffendable, you will find concrete, practical ways to live life with less stress, including adjusting your expectations to fit human nature, replacing perpetual anger with refreshing humility and gratitude, and embracing forgiveness and beginning to love others in unexpected ways. Newly revised with two brand new chapters on forgiveness, and honestly, like, I haven't read the new revised one, so when I read the description, I was like, oh man, I want to kind of get this book so I can read the two new chapters. Anyways, what Hansen has learned since writing his original book, this updated edition of the best-selling book is a must-read for every Christian. With short chapters, this book is easy to slip into a daily routine or commute to spend time deepening in God's Word. In a humorous and conversational style, Unoffendable seeks to lift religious burdens from our backs and allow us to experience the joy of gratitude, perhaps for the first time, every single day of our lives, flourishing the way God intended. And so I'm going to give you the link to that book and the podcast description so you can find it easy because I, Brent Hansen is probably like one of my favorite authors, like one of the best books that I've ever read. Like one of the, like this is in my top five, like life changing books, not this book exactly, though this book is really good. Um, This book's probably in the top 10, but the top five for sure is called the men we need by Brant Hansen. And that one just talks about how men are to be keepers of the garden and to, um, you know, like, it, it will explain. Like I'm not going to read you the description on that, but that's one of my other favorite books. So just to say, Brant Hansen, he's a great author. I highly recommend him to people who are eager to want to learn and want to grow and want to think in a biblical way. So um, before I let you guys go, though, I just want to go over one quick little caveat to this whole discussion on loving your enemies and praying for those who persecute you. Uh, before we're done. And this doesn't mean that we become pacifists in, you know, a strong sense, I should say. If someone, again, if someone breaks into your house and is trying to hurt you and your family, by, by all means, you have the right and you have the responsibility to protect them. This is not the context in which you get down on your knees and pray for your enemy and cook your, you know, your person that the thief that's in your home, the robber is in your home food at that moment, right? Like, <laughs> like protect your family by all means in that. But so there's a little bit of nuance to this. But for the most part of the time, our enemies aren't 
physically threatening us um, and our families' lives. So anyways, that's really all that I got for this movie. There was actually, when I watched this last week, there was a few more quotes I wanted to talk about. But to be honest, um, I didn't write it down because I was in a movie theater and the movie's so new that I couldn't find the quotes online. So there you go. I'm not going to talk about them. Um, and that's that. So remember to hit me up on Discord at Movie Night Apologetics for further discussion or if you have a movie recommendation for me. I really would love some movie recommendations as I go about doing this podcast. So anyways, thank you guys for listening. And as my friend Blaine always says, after I drop him off at his apartment, after we see a movie, don't party too hard without me. Catch you guys later. Whether it's at home or at the movie theaters, Movie Night Apologetics exists to help you, the listener, know the Christian worldview through the movie's messages. I am movie apologist Clark, and this is Movie Night Apologetics Podcast.